Hello and welcome to episode 218 of the Spruce and Bruce podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. And Jay. Hello. Sadly, Andy's stuck in work, but I'm sure he is here in spirit. So um, it's been a couple of weeks since the last episode, so I'm sure there's going to be plenty of hobby to talk about in this first intro section. But later on in the podcast, Matt, I believe you're going to give us a bit of a, shall we say story time? A bit of a retrospective? Story time with Matt. I'm going to sit you all down and we'll talk about the history of teeny tiny little epic games. So obviously we've got um, Legions Imperialis on the horizon and I thought we'd take a walk down memory lane and uh, see where it started and other associated teeny weeny games of that time. Uh, and would I be correct in thinking that that's, this ties into this week's top three? It absolutely does because I want to know the top three models you'd like to see in epic scale. And that can be, you know, dr- dream one, say Battlefleet Gothic comes back or, or Warmaster or something like that. Battlefleet Gothic just... in epic scale would be quite something to see because I well, think it would still be massive. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's, it, it, it's, it's that kind of shrunken scale. So, yeah, we'll leave it fairly loose for that. So it should be some fun ones there. Excellent. And we have, of course, got some news as well um, to talk about because there's always lots going on. Uh, over on Warhammer Community and other places. Um, But before we get stuck into all of that, let's have a chat about what we've been doing in the hobby since the last podcast. And I'm actually going to start us off this week, so I think it's been a while since I picked on myself. Uh, And what's really been taking up most of my time the last couple of weeks since we uh, last casted uh, is a little review for a starter set. It's the Warcry Crypt of Blood, which I think, Matt, is the first... I'm going to inverted commas is proper starter set for beginners we've had for warcry yeah i mean they have had starter sets before but like you said this is a a beginner focused one shall we say yeah which, which is... um yeah for, for people who've maybe even not ever played a war game before mm. well that's that's what i really wanted to focus on when i did the review you know lots of people played sort of warcry or age of sigma um but what was really good about this box is it's absolutely aimed at the complete newbie. You don't ha- even have to have rolled dice before. This scales everything back to the point where the battle plans that are in the, the, the book that it comes with, it scales up. So your first game, you've literally got a, a fighter each, and it introduces um, more and more of the war crime mechanics as you make w- your way through the battle plans until finally, game seven, you've got um, a battle, a, sort of a proper war cry battle, with the um with all your characters that are included with crypto blood which albeit a slightly smaller than your your full size warcraft war bands because you get the uh, the underworld war bands the um crimson court and zandia's truth seekers how many how um, much you get would you have to have much to make it a full war band no not not really especially with the stormcast um yeah I, I can't remember how many points exactly they are now um, but i tell you what i did like it, it talks about that at the back of the book. So once you've gone through all your battle plans and you've got used to the mechanics, it then goes into the core rules. It's the complete core rules of Warcry. So you could take this to a tournament or whatever for reference. And then it goes on to talk about where do you go from here? Uh, and it talks about Bloodborne fighters where you can take your warbands that you've got from Crypto Blood and you can add more Stormcast or more Soulblight Gravelords to your, um, to your roster to then play full games of Warcry. Um, so you're not wasting the models that you've 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 purchased, but obviously it also then talks about your specific Warcry warbands, monsters, allies, more battlefield stuff, 
Um, so it's a great box. Um, and uh, and also, actually, I think it's well worth mentioning that the, the nice scenery that comes with it, which is very much inspired by the Garden of Moor as it was um, for, for Sigmar, um, they're all push fit. So not only the models push fit, but the scenery is as well. So it really is a, a, a nice, straightforward box to just dive in and, and play some Warcry, which I, I really, really liked. Nice. Um, so the full review of that is over on Spruce and Brews, and we've also unboxed it as well over on our YouTube channel. Links uh, will be in the podcast notes. Um, aside from that, really, um, I've been painting a word bearer. So I've been painting a sorcerer, a Terminator Sorcerer Lord, Lord for my um, 40k word bearers project, which we're going to probably talk more about in the coming few weeks. Um, but I, I really fancied... Um, getting one painted so i've been doing that I've, I've been meaning to get some heresy uh painted as well but i've not quite got around to that yet so um so yeah and i think really for me that um that wraps up my hobbying since the last podcast jay what have uh, you been up to well i've been uh i've been um painting and playing heresy um so we had a um Doubles event, Horace Hosty Doubles event at Warhammer World. Uh, when was that? Earlier this month, wasn't it, Matt? It was two weeks ago, I believe. Two weeks ago, yeah. Time flies. Um, and um, I took the uh, Blood Angels. So I, I got my 1,500 points of Blood Angels completed. Um, and then since then, I've been working on reinforcements to take it to 3,000 points ready for the um, event at Warhammer World in September, I believe. So I've been uh, working on a Sakaran. Uh, I've got another Sakaran in pieces on the table ready to be constructed this week. Um, and then I've been working on the Primarch himself, so Sanguinius. And I've been, um, I'm trying to, trying to, trying something new and painting them in um, non metallic metal uh, gold. Um, so it's slow going, but I'm enjoying it. Um, how, how are you um, finding it? Because it's, it's, it's a tricky one to paint, because it only really works from like one angle. I mean, I, I came around the other night, didn't I? And he looks beautiful, Jay. Well, his leg looks beautiful. The rest of well, his leg looks beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So yeah, it is. It's a different way of painting. Um, I'm tending to use lots of like reference pictures because I still haven't. I, I've read lots of tutorials and guides about how to do non-metallic metal, where to imagine the light sources and things like that. I, I'm no expert. This is the first model I've ever painted using this technique. Um, I probably shouldn't have chosen like the centerpiece of my army, but there you go. Um, and um, I've been using lots of sort of references online of the model from different angles and things like this to sort of see where i, I want to place the different colors i mean really i, I think that that the, the comp the complex bit is is just that trying to figure out where the reflections were where the reflective surfaces are where the shadow would be but actually painting and blending the colors themselves they're just browns and yellows um so yeah it's, it's fun and it, there's there's lots of sort of detail on sanguinis's armor there's not many flat panels and i think actually like a Stormcast miniature maybe, or a Space Marine in Power Armor would have been an easier model to practice on. But this is the only model that I'll be painting in non-metallic metal for the army. The rest of the model will be painted in sort of the normal metallics and and, and, and whatnot. Um, but I think with a Primark, it, he, he deserves a bit of extra attention. Um, and that's me, Dave, I think. Ooh. I'll let Matt talk about the tournament. Yeah, well, actually, we've got a couple of times to talk about because me and Matt went to one as well. But let's switch over to you, Matt. What, what have you been up to in the hobby? And how about you talk to us about these tournaments? Yeah, well, I've been up to lots of cool stuff, but unfortunately, I can't talk about them yet, which is a shame because I really want to talk about all the things that I've been painting. Uh, so hopefully the next episode that goes out, we'll be able to go into those a bit more and it's worth the wait. So, yeah, it, since the last podcast, I have 
painted a white scars army in a week and need a lie down still following that um and been in two tournaments so the first one we like jay said it was a um horus heresy doubles over at warhammer world and oh it was so much fun wasn't it jay I mean, I love all the tournaments we go to at Warhammer World. They're always really, really fun. They're always really, really well um, run and organised as well. Um, yeah, I have a great time. And really, I, I found recently, especially with the Horus Heresy ones, I'm not, I, I don't know why, but sometimes you sort of get that, um, not burnout, but you sort of feel, you really feel like you've been playing Warhammer for two days. You're sort of shattered on the way home and uh, need, need a rest. But the Horus Heresy tournaments, you just want to go back for more. You do, yeah. It's... I mean, we, against all the odds, considering it was, what, the first game, maybe, with each of these armies? It was the first game. So this is, even though Blood Angels are my favourite legion, um, I, I haven't actually had a game of Horus Hesse with them. So this was our first game with the Blood Angels. And like you say, yourself with the White Scars, Matt. Yeah, I'm fairly certain the paint may have still been wet when we went into that tournament. Um, yeah, and um, we, we, it was a, it was a, it was... A, a very uh, emotional two days, wasn't it, Jay? So we had mixed results. We, I mean, all the games were amazing. We had we had some mixed results. We at the end of it, we won we won three. Um, but the real decider really being the um, the the last game that we played, which coincidentally was against um, Jim Gallagher and Ben from the uh, Specialist Game Studio. Uh, literally the guys who write the rules, Jay. Yeah. Um, and it was a it was a hard fought fight. It was probably one of the most fun games of Warhammer I've ever 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 had. I mean, it was it was a great weekend. We had five really really good games, but yeah, what a game to finish on! Um, nail biting to the la- literally the last roll of the dice. When yeah, so um, it, was, it was an interesting story. It's one where you you capture it and then it moves and you score like points based on the turn order. So the chaps managed to to like score it turn one. So they had a lead on us. And then for the next like four turns, it was a massive scrum on that point. We were throwing everything we had into it. Uh, it, it started looking like it was going to go in their favour a little bit. And then a um, the the um, Golden Kishegan, the Praetor, charged in. Uh, many of them died, but I think they managed to tip the combat just in your favour, giving um, Rauderon the chance to potentially win the game for us, Jay. Yeah. <laughs> so so the, the last sort of combat phase of, of the game, um, there are a, a few... Um, well, there's not much left at all, actually. There's a handful of Blood Angels tactical marines left. There's, like, corpses of Dreadnoughts and Golden Kashegs scattered around the objective. A pile and of jet bikes behind <laughs> the, uh, the battle. There are, there are dead Iron Hands, dead Imperial Fists, and in the dust and the confusion of the melee... Fafnir Ran steps up to challenge Chapter Master Ralderon. Um, so challenge accepted, and um, Ralderon decides to wield his axe two-handed to try and take the head off Ralderon. Obviously, Ralderon doesn't need to worry about striking last. He's striking initiative five. I roll my five attacks, miss four of them, <laughs> hit with one. I roll my wound roll and I roll a one, but luckily Ralderon has shred on his Encarmine blade, which allows you to reroll wounds. I rerolled the wounds and converted it into a six, <laughs> which triggered his murderous strike instant death ability on the blade. So it was all down now to Fafnir Ran. Could he make his invulnerable save and, and pass this? Otherwise he's dead. And um, the dice was rolled. We were scrambling to see what the result was and he had failed. 
cut down. There's a massive roar from our table, and yeah, so so we were feeling pretty good then with like three wins. Like, okay, yeah, we, we might have done okay here. Uh, and then I think you very nearly fell off your chair when the results were announced, Jay. Oh, yeah. So, so somehow we'd got um, four favorite game and four favorite army votes. No, I think we got, I think we got four and five, wasn't it? Was it four like and five? It was, yeah, it, was, five. It, was a, it was a lot, and we um, managed to get second place and um, best team. So that was an amazing surprise. Yeah. Um, was... Yeah. I, the, all, all of the games were so good. I wish we could have had like five favorite game votes. It was so hard to pick, wasn't it? Yeah, and I mean, it, it was. I enjoyed every single game we had, and we played some really good opponents as well with some tough armies. And um, But I think what I liked about this event was because we were only using 1,500-point armies, um, there were no Primarchs, and, and all the battles were very, very sort of closely fought. Yeah. Um, and you saw, I, I, well, I, I thought across the five games that a lot of sort of varied army builds, like we saw a drop pod of Salt Blood Angels army, which was that interesting. Was yeah, we saw... Um, 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 the sort of tank heavy iron hands and imperial fists um obviously we, i was using a pure jet bike force yeah so um it, it, yeah it was a really really fun event um yeah i'm just I'm, just looking forward to, to the next one now in september well, I'm, I'm really hyped for the next one and in the news we've got a bit more heresy to talk about but um yeah yeah highly recommend throwing the good thing with throwing scores like we, we showed there you you can you can win it winning three games if you do well on the on the on the sports and um, painting votes, and for a lot of people, like I mean the standard of painting at those kind of events is amazing because the kind of people who maybe like you know love painting armies but wouldn't necessarily do that well in a in a like a traditional match play game because their armies are so pretty they could win three three games and, and win the entire thing which is really nice reward for kind of like the painters and people I, I guess it incentivizes you to be a decent person as well doesn't it and actually yeah. have an enjoyable game and part of that comes to your list selection you know if you're just spamming all the, the horrific units um you, you're probably not going to get those favorite game votes but it kind of comes i guess self-policing as well doesn't it yeah, if you want to do well. I mean, we, we didn't play any sort of um, horrible armies, really, did we? There are, there, are, there are some sort of, um, like you say, not broken, but there are some very powerful armies yeah. and, and army builds that you can play in Heresy. And to be um, fair, I didn't really see any over the weekend, which was nice. And again, whether that's because people in the back of their minds are thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to get favourite game votes if I bring those horrible lists, maybe. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So, so, no, it was really, really good. And then, this weekend just gone, I did another doubles tournament, didn't we, Dave? We did, Matt. We did, but of a different Warhammer flavor. Yeah. So tenth edition. This was, I believe, the first tenth edition event at Warhammer World. I might be wrong there, but uh, again, it was doubles, one thousand points per side, and the armies that we're going to bring have, have, have changed rapidly. I've been I've been doing a lot of painting for reviews, so my initial plan of bringing an army made up entirely of second edition Tyranids. I didn't get them done, and, and unlike the white scars, which you could nail in a week, I want to spend my time because they're, you know, models that I picked up for a bit of money from back in the past. So um, there'll be a future Throne of Schools event. So instead, um, originally you were going to bring Astra Militarum, but then recently you've been looking at doing a word bearer army for 40k, haven't you, Dave? That's right, because when you've got a bunch of 40k armies, the best thing to do is to borrow your friends so um yeah i've been tempted to uh to, well i am going to be building a word bearers 40k force as well as heresy um 
And um, yeah, I really fancied using them over the weekend. So Matt very kindly allowed me to use self his word bearers. I built what I thought was a very fair and, and balanced list. Um, but you bought something a bit a bit crazy, Matt. Yeah, well, I, I, I in my experience with 10th edition, I think monsters and vehicles are good. And I thought if you've got the kind of like objective taken in the bodies and stuff, why don't I just take some greater demons? And then I thought... Hmm, I thought the Forge World Greater Demon models, it's rare that I get to use them in a game, so why not bring them along? So I had a massive army <laughs> in scale of uh, Bellacor, a Bloodthirster, a Lord of Change, and three Juggernauts. <laughs> so six models you wouldn't think you need much to carry. I had a big old tray to carry these models. And again, it, we had some really, really fun and close games, didn't we? And to be fair, we did pretty well. We uh, we didn't win any games, but the scores that we got, we scored quite highly, mm-hmm. um, which which I was happy with. You know, it, it'd be a different story if we scored like, you know, 20 points to 100. But a lot of the time it was like, you know, 75 to 78 and stuff like that. So I, I, I think we could have, with more practice, maybe play better, maybe tweak the list a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, really, absolutely. Really yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I I know how I would I would change my list now, but um, it was still a really a really fun weekend. Um, game two we lost by two points. The last game we lost by one. So that just goes to show what Matt was saying there about us, um, coming quite close. And I think we got a few favorite game votes as well. We did, um, we I think, we, I think considering we 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 won zero games, I think we finished like slap bang in the middle of the table, which is. I'm pretty yeah. happy with for no wins. Yeah, um, and it shows you you can, you can go to that kind of thing and lose every game and not come bottom, mm. which uh, which is good. No no wooden spoon for us. And again, I'm looking forward to um, playing some bigger points 40k tournaments as well. Like a, a single throne of schools would be fun. Um, yeah. Obviously, we had the, the 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 usual wander around the museum, played five games, and wanted to start a half a dozen new armies. <laughs> I've, at the minute, I've got Death Corps of Krieg scattered all over my um, my gaming table as I'm trying to make them at uh, well, compliant. You were you were nearly close to picking up some Adeptus Mechanicus and and Demon them up a little bit, weren't you? I was, you had a great yeah. game against some Admech and uh, Space Wolves in oh, they, you know, they, Game Four, wasn't it? Third on best painted, I think they got. Yeah, uh, K9 they, they called. They were really, really nice. Um, really, really nice army. So yeah, I was tempted to do some 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 converted Mechanicum. Yeah, it always if again uh, similar. If, if you want to go to your first tournament, Throne of Schools is is really nice because it's it's got a nice vibe to it. Uh, you get rewarded for your painting, and you see lots of nice armies as well. So mm. yeah, h- highly recommend it if you if you're looking to uh, kind of take your first steps into tournament play. But yeah, that's what, what I've been up to. I, I have been painting stuff. Honest, I have. But uh, and you guys know that I have, but I can't quite talk about them yet. Excellent. Well, that wraps up this first section of the podcast. We've got plenty to get through, so we're going to take a quick pause and come back with the latest news. So what do we have in this week's news map? Well, first of all, we've got a lot of um, Imperialist talk coming up later on in the podcast, but we got some cool news this week about uh, a trio of tanks that are getting released for the game. So uh, coming out alongside the core box, they've got the Kratos, which was a new tank, um, I guess, created for the second edition of Horus Heresy. It's a really nice tank, and uh, it looks like there's a kit of these coming out, which is really nice. Um but if we're talking classic epic tanks that 
originally existed in Epic. Uh, there's a Baneblade kit coming out as well, which looks like it can make Baneblades or Hellhammers, and you can take them in detachments of up to six Baneblades. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, which definitely appeals to me. I I, I kind of fancy doing a big um, solar auxilia tank company because I think that would look amazing at epic scale. But not to be outdone, the Astartes have got a box that contains 10 rhinos. Now, don't get too excited. They are teeny tiny rhinos. But, uh, <laughs> baby rhinos. Uh, baby rhinos. But just the fact that it's a box of 10 of them, it just it's kind of just shows how the scale of the game, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And again, these look really nice. Looking at the, the images online, the detailing on these looks really good. I mean, you've been painting some uh, some big Astarte stuff recently, some Sakarans, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've got to say that it looks it looks spot on, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to getting like a, a little baby Sakaran and putting it next to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, really exciting stuff. Um, now. that's kind of like my my dream game and i can't wait to see it but i know something that you've been looking forward to for well since it was announced pre-covid i believe is warhammer the old world jay oh yeah definitely and warhammer community shared some details about it We've, we've had a few bits dropped but this was the first real this is what the rules are and looking at the article it looks like we we've got a um a mixture of the best editions of Warhammer Fantasy, which is really nice because a lot of people didn't know what to expect. You know, have we got the Horde rule? You know, what's, what are the, the, the kind of um, the frontages of units because that's changed from edition to edition? How does magic work? And quite a lot of that they've changed, haven't they? So one of the things that's interesting is that all models in the front rank can fight, even if they're not in base contact with something. And I wonder if that's a, a way of kind of like changing the Horde rules. Horde, if, for those that don't know Warhammer Fantasy, basically gave you an extra rank that could fight. Um, the downside of that being they had to be 10 wide. So you ended up with like 40-man blocks, which for a lot of the kits is like four 20-pound boxes to just to have a, a, a block of troops on the table, wasn't it? Which was a little bit expensive at times. Um, now, it, I don't know if Horde still exists, but this kind of implies that kind of the trade-off of having all these attacks for a really wide front rank is that you're not going to be quite as maneuverable um what do you think of that jay um yeah i mean horde was a bit marmite wasn't it um and um i think old world warhammer fantasy um a lot of the game was won and lost in the movement phase the maneuverability of units outflanking units positioning the units to receive charges that kind of thing and it, it's much more difficult with a big a bigger unit of course there's trade-offs um I, it sounds interesting um I, it'd be great to see like a, a game being played or a phase being played out um obviously we'll learn more and more as we get closer to the release day, i guess but yeah i'm looking forward to it yeah, I kind of hope they do something like they did for Heresy and have like an open day or something. Yeah. You can see these changes. And I'm I'm fairly certain they tend to do that at Warhammer World, don't they? If yeah, I mean. A, if, if it was coming out in the summer, it'd probably be a, at Warhammer Fest. But I've got a feeling that this is this year. Just a few things are pointing towards October, November, maybe being the release window. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, uh, we were just talking earlier on, Matt, but uh, I've got all of my old school metal dwarf miniatures here. They've all been stripped of paint. They're ready to, to they've all, a lot of them have been rebased. I've got about 30 or so ironbreakers in a jug. They're ready to be rebased. <laughs> a jug. <laughs> I know, I'm not treating them very well. I uh, I can't wait to, to start getting some paint on these guys ready for launch. I want to have like a thousand points of um, old world ready to go. Uh, we know what some of the starting factions are going to be now. Um, yeah, I can't wait. Really, really excited to play this game again. Yeah, likewise, I've got I picked up a lot of the orc kits are still going to be usable, and obviously the base sizes will change. But I thought rather than waiting for them to be reboxed with the correct bases, I can start building and painting them. And when the bases come out, no doubt GW will sell the bases, won't they? And if they sell out, I'm sure third parties will make bases that are the right size. So anyone that is looking to get armies ready, what I'd recommend is if the AOS models. Just super glue them to the round base, paint them up, and then what you can yeah. do is snap them off and put them on the correct base once you're closer to the time. I think that's going to be the most like time-effective way of doing it and cost-effective way. If you if you stick them to the base with plastic glue, it, it's a lot harder to remove models from bases. I've done it with like 6,000 points of demons, and it is not a fun job. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, make sure you can snap them off. And yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see more. Now, they also talk about a few things that have returned from really old editions of the game. So um, giving ground reluctantly was something that used to be in the game, where if there's a fight and one side kind of wins, then the other side will often fall back and kind of get back in position again. So basically separating out of the units and like a mini a mini fall back without it being a full break. Uh, just because sometimes the battles kind of became prolonged slogs after a few over oh, a few turns. I've got didn't fond, they? fond memories of my uh, ironbreakers holding out against a unit of skeleton warriors who kept being uh, resurrected. <laughs> yeah, which which isn't always the most fun gaming experience <laughs> if they're just locked in. I had a good time to be fair, Matt, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so it looks like that. That's that's one change that makes things a bit more. You you can't pin somebody in with a tar pit. They can they can potentially get out, but then it'll be your positioning of other units to then like pin them in, won't it? Yeah. Um, another thing that's changing, it looks like it's quite a significant change, is magic. Now you mentioned um, the horde rule being one of the marmite things about eighth edition. I think magic was as well. They, magic's gone through a few different iterations in, in Warhammer Fantasy. Uh, my favourite was the card system, where you had a deck of cards that basically generated the winds of magic. So what you could cast was represented by the cards in your hand. I think that was really cool, but I don't think that's the thing they'd go back to. Um, then we've got the other extreme, where you had dice pools and wizards being able to cast uh, based on their, their level. In the most recent edition, they had a kind of uh, risk-reward thing, where... You could roll more dice, but obviously that increases your chance of getting miscasts. However, if you ever got a double six, the spell just went off. So it was normally statistically better to just roll six dice and you've got a pretty good chance of getting a double six and the spell going off. Irresistible force, yeah. So, My so dwarfs that, love that rule. Yeah, and, and that could often like determine the result of the game, uh, whoever got the, their big spell off. So it looks like in the old world, they're moving away from that. And it looks like it's closer to, and this is, you know, the, there's, there's pros and cons to this, but it looks like it's closer to psychic powers in Heresy, uh, where they're basically different buffs and abilities that are, that impact various turns, rather being cast that you uh, spells that you physically cast. So it could be that a wizard has a, a supporting buff that happens in combat, 
or they might have a spell that they can use in the movement phase that lets you move a bit further. So maybe less impactful, but but more supporting. And again, that kind of reflects the the the, the time period as well. The the wizards of the old world haven't been like they haven't got the formal colleges of magics. Yeah. yeah. So it will be more kind of raw magic and, and orcs kind of make sense for that just primal magic that's like gene on the guys so i mean i don't think i've even talked to you about this jay what do you think of kind of the removal of the magic phase and it more becoming like various supporting buffs yeah so i mean that's it I, I, magic is fun i want it still to be impactful in the game but i don't want it to be the thing that wins you games and i think little and more you know, like not as impactful, but more of it is going to be much more fun. You know, you're going to get in lots of these little spells off, uh, buffs, debuffs. I, I mean, I'm, I'm suspecting as well there'll still be big, like, what was the Occam's Razor, was it? And what was the one you used to yeah. use? That used to, like, take out all of my dwarfs when it hit them. And Cracked Call as well for the Skaven. Um, but yeah, I just I just hope we... I mean, you see it in, in Horus Heresy, ironically enough, where the um, psychic powers have moved to, you know, the shooting phase and the combat phase. And... Um, I, 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 you just get to use them a lot more often throughout the whole of the game rather than just this really, really very swingy magic phase. Um, I think it's cool. I mean, I'm a dwarf player, so we don't mess around with any, any of that uh, magic-y stuff. They have these runes. I'm really interested to see how the dwarfs interact with a the magic systems now. Mm. You know, they, they have enchanted uh, 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 armor and weapons, runic weapons and things like that. Um, and I'm hoping they're able to, you know, use this system as well you know not casting spells so much but yeah. they still you know have some runic armor that they can empower during a certain part of the game yeah, to, to I mean, increase the defenses and stuff they mentioned in the article that that it, the movement of your wizards becomes important because you need your wizards to counter the spells of other ones so it does seem like there is going to be some kind of like mechanic going on so your dwarves may have some kind of like magical defenses so yeah really really keen to learn more on that and i'm sure some will be coming in the near future now, again, we're on a bit of a specialist game system uh, <laughs> stint here, which I guess makes sense. But we also got a full rules pack for Necromunda, the uh, the Spiders of the Sump. And this is a rules pack that is set on the Sump Sea. So imagine like a factory and then all of the various chemical offspill and just yuck that is pouring out of this factory collects at the bottom of the underhive in a um, sea of radioactive, unpleasant ick. Now you can imagine that you probably wouldn't want to kind of kind of walk across that, would you? But um, in the underhive, unfortunately, sometimes you need to do that. So um, we've got a mission back here where it uses a lot of the ash waste rules, but you can ha uh, basically purchase for your gang uh, barges and skiffs to traverse the sump sea. So we're planning on running a next run of the campaign, and I'm fairly certain I want us to be kind of sailing the sea on a horrible, radioactive, filth-riddled, just filthy, horrible sea. I think that'd be really fun. And like they're quite cheap as well, so a skiff's 45 credits, a barge is 165 credits, and you can upgrade them with all the various upgrades you can get from the ash wastes. Um, you, you definitely want to be crossing that on something. You probably don't want to go for a swim in it. Yeah, like Matt said, um, I've been quite in the Necromunda mood, and, and this absolutely helps in, in a recent release as well. So, yeah, I can't wait until we get back into the Underhive, Matt. Yeah, we'll be playing soon. It'll be uh, We're going to start a new campaign. Uh, Jay, you might have to get the uh, the squats 
out of storage as well just because they're, uh, here. they're not in storage they're on the shelf ooh. um i've got the extra seat painted up um I'm, I'm waiting for the uh the new um the new prospector character well he's, he's on pre-order on saturday i believe so yeah he's got cool. a little dinky robot <laughs> It's all about dinky robots. Uh, so yeah, so so if you want to play some uh, some some seafaring games of Necromunda, check out that on Warcom. And then finally, before we close up, I just wanted to talk about a few upcoming events at Warhammer World as well, because there's some really cool stuff coming up. So on the fourth and fifth of November, there's the Siege of Rylak City, which is a Warhammer the Horus Heresy team event with uh, teams of four players taking part in a narrative story based on the Siege of Cthonia. I mean, that just sounds amazing, doesn't it, Jay? I I cannot tell you how much I want to get a ticket for this event. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're going to be uh, refreshing the website as soon as uh, as soon and as that's available. A proper narrative campaign at Warhammer World. I mean, we've been to a couple of the Crusade events now. You've been to an Age of Sigmar Path to Glory. They really put the effort in on the sort of narrative side and a dedicated narrative Horus Heresy event just sounds so good. Yeah, I was chatting to Ed who's run, I think, most of the Heresy events I've done so far and he is super excited about this. There's like different like sectors of the battle uh, but, you know, the, basically this, this, this city is split into different sectors and the different teams will be fighting in different areas and, and you know, changing the effects of other things. It'll be really, really cool. So, yeah, super looking forward to that. And then the following weekend, there's a Warhammer Age of Sigmar Path to Glory event, uh, Feast of the Realms. Now, this one's a little bit different um, because it's gone full cookery show. Your characters will be gathering various uh, ingredients and your chefs will be creating foodstuffs that can give buffs to your armies. It, the, 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 if you give um, Steve Wren a shout, the event pack isn't on Eventbrite at the minute because I think they're having technical issues. But on Twitter, he put a tweet up that if you want the event pack, give me a shout. Um, and yeah, it looks so good. I picked up a ticket for this. Um, and I think they're going fast because the last one we did, Thondia, was amazing, wasn't it, Dave? It was superb. I know you were uh, tempted to come to this one, weren't you? But uh, unfortunately, you can't make it. No, it's my little lad's um, birthday weekend, so I can't make it. But if I could have made it, I would absolutely have been there. The, it's one of the greatest event packs I've seen. Well done, Stephen and co. Yeah, so we were looking forward to that. So, yeah, that is that is all the news and lots of exciting stuff coming up. There's a few other events at Warhammer World. There's a Throne of Schools, uh, Middle Earth on the 25th and the 26th. And then they've got a couple of weekday ones as well. Kill Team one on the 8th of November and a War Cry one on the 24th of November. So, yeah, definitely check them out if you've if you've not done one before because these are the kind of, I guess, easy to get into and fun ones, aren't they? Excellent. Uh, yeah, good bout of news there. Um, but that's not the... Well, we're even halfway through the podcast because, Matt, it's your story time as we talk about Epic. So we'll be right back. So we have a, a little new system, I say new, uh, coming soon. Uh, and Matt, I know out of all of us, you're the one that's by far the most excited about this. Uh, so much so that for us, who never actually dabbled in the original system, aka me, um, you decided you wanted to give us a bit of a history lesson on a little thing called Epic. 
Yeah, so so Epic is one of my all-time favourite games from Games Workshop. And if you don't know, traditionally Epic was was six millimeter scale um, game. So uh, full scale, the Warhammer Forty Thousand, Warhammer Fantasy was twenty eight mil scale, and that's essentially from from the feet to the head of the model, twenty eight mil for human size. So scaling down to six mil, obviously that's that's a lot smaller. But because it's at that small scale, you can represent massive, massive battles. So, like, you know, uh, back in the, the 80s, 90s, a normal game of 40k would be like a character, a couple of squads of space marines, a predator, a dreadnought, and maybe a unit of terminator something, which is cool, but that's not quite hundreds of tanks, thousands of infantry and titans taking an entire city, is it? Absolutely not. Which no. is something it'd be amazing to play that game, but realistically, I mean, even big um apocalypse scale games aren't quite to that scale. Um and so there's there's you know, like a space in the market here for, for a mass battle game from Games Workshop. So in nineteen eighty eight they released a game called Adeptus Titanicus. So this was um basically a way of having big, massive robots shooting the heck out of each other the box contained 12 warlord titans 12 <laughs> warlord titans now a warlord titan in those days was probably around the size of a warhound in in the modern adeptus titanicus but still that's pretty cool yeah, uh, and loaded very buildings cool. and the rules and everything but one of the things that kind of always i guess is a limiting factor for new games is how many sprues that you can put out. And we've seen this in, you know, other non-GW games that get released and they've only got like one or two armies and it struggles to get off the ground because um, that support will come later on in time. And obviously GW have got a bit more muscle there to put stuff out, but obviously at times it is hard to release like entire ranges for, for armies right off the bat. So in Adeptus Titanicus, they thought, okay, well, how can we do this? So we can just create one set of sprues and then reuse them. So, you know, how can we make sense of space marines fighting space marines or, or titans fighting titans? So they went away and thought, oh, well, what if 10,000 years ago there was actually a civil war and brother was fighting brother? And so just to justify the use of duplicating sprues in the box, they invented a little thing called the Horus Heresy. <laughs> which is crazy when you think about it in all the law that it just started as a justification for having two identical no forces fight that. each other yeah that, that is literally where the Horus Heresy came from so Sanguinius died to launch a new game <laughs> yeah now obviously a lot of the details got fleshed in, in that but it was just like oh a long time ago the Imperium was at war with itself and, and that's where Adeptus came from in 1988 in the following year 1989 they then released like a sister game that was compatible and it was the same scale, but you could play each of those independently if you wanted to as well. And that was called Space Marine. And this really kind of like fueled the background for the Horus Heresy. You got 368 miniatures in the box, um, 16 Land Raiders, 32 Rhinos, 320 Space Marines, and then 64 banners split between the Loyalists and the Traitors, and then some card buildings with plastic roofs. And yeah, basically the, the idea was that this was 
a war during the Horus Heresy, and half the box would be loyalist forces and half the box would be traitor forces. And you could then combine that with the plastic titans from Adeptus Satanicus to do even bigger games. And the game was a huge, a huge success because it was quite, um, I guess, complex for the scale. Because you're talking about like teeny weeny little guys, you don't buy like, okay, I'm going to have... 160 space marines in my army and pay the points for them you'd rather instead you'd have a detachment of space marines and that's got x number of bases of space marines so it's a bit more i guess structured in one way compared to 40k Mm -hmm. but it meant that that squads very much had to be specialists for different things to differentiate them on the battlefield so it, it was a little bit more i guess tactical and complex so a couple of couple of years later we get to 1991 and Space Marine Second Edition was released. Um, and this was the first epic scale game set in the Warhammer 40,000 universe. So obviously Space Marine and Titanicus was cool because it was, you know, Horus Heresy and Space Marines versus Space Marines. But lots of people have been asking like, oh, it'd be really cool if I could use my Orcs or my Eldar. So where uh, Games Workshop decided to release the Space Marine boxed game which again had a lot of like cardboard scenery and stuff, but in something that I don't think we've seen since then, it contained three armies in the box. Jay, you will love the content of this. It had 546 miniatures in it, uh, 12 land raiders, 24 rhinos, 240 space marines, 12 Eldar grav tanks, 120 mm. Eldar guardians, 18 battle wagons, 120 orc boys, and a warlord titan oh, that's pretty that, cool that's that is, yeah that's interesting with three different factions yeah it is because they, they i think they 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 released the various kits at the same time again the, the reason why the, the the original edition was just space marines versus space marines was due to sprue budget i think it had been so popular they were able to then release the second edition with three armies straight away which is something that we have seen in like specialist games since then where Two armies is okay, but if you don't like one of them, you're kind of a bit knackered, aren't you? Where three, it means that there's something for everyone. And it's a shame that you weren't into like into the hobby back here, Jay. This was 1991, I believe this came out, and because um, I think you'd be all over Tiny Eldar, wouldn't you? Uh, Tiny Eldar and Eldar Titans for sure. Yeah, so it was really cool. And you, it's funny you mentioned Titans because it's like with the first edition. They also released a new edition of Adeptus Satanicus. This time it was called Titan Legions. And they went for a different kind of track here. They wanted a game that, again, like a sister game, that it was compatible with Epic Space Marine, but you could play them independently. And they were like, okay, so the, the rules for Titans and stuff work, but how about having a Titan that can be used as an entire army? So Dave, for example, you've you've talked about this for Imperialis, and again, it wouldn't surprise me if this becomes a thing in the future. But somebody might say, yeah, an army of space marines is cool, or an army of elder is cool, but what about a massive titan with a cathedral on its back as my army? Uh, and that's what Titan Legions did. It had like data cards and like structure points, and a lot of the stuff that we see in the new edition of Adeptus Sanicus J, where you could target different bits because that was your yeah. army. You had to have something a bit more interactive rather than just stomping up and shooting something. 
so yeah, Titan Legions was created. And again, this was a great box. Now, I, I, I've owned Space Marine Second Edition, but I never got Titan Legions, and I really wish I had, because in the box, you got, uh, again, a load of card buildings and stuff. You got 10 Imperial Knights. You got 12 Orc Bone Baker tanks. You got two Orc Mega Gargans and <laughs> an Imperator Titan. The first and only Imperator Titan I think we've seen because they've not done one for the new edition of uh, Adeptus Titanicus. But yeah, basically, if you wanted to have a giant Cathedral Titan of Death as your army, Dave, you could absolutely do it then. Oh, yeah. Which is really, really cool. So it, it was really, really popular and, and you know, they, they expanded this out with some supplements and, and miniatures and stuff. And then in 1997, they released basically a, a, a new edition of Epic just called Epic 40K. Now this, I've got very, very fond memories of this game and I really enjoyed it, but it was a bit of a controversial one because uh, I mentioned earlier that the original game was quite complex and had the detachment system and a bit crunchier. Epic 40K, they strimmed a lot of that out of the game and made it a bit more accessible and faster paced. It was still a really good game, but I think people were maybe a little bit disappointed in the simplification of the game, which, I mean, to be fair, we've, we've seen this kind of repeat itself with the first edition of Age of Sigmar, haven't we? Where the intent was to have a fast-moving, slick game, but I think people maybe felt it was a little bit simplistic compared to what it had been. Yeah, yeah. And that's what people found in, in Epic. Now, Epic wasn't, it wasn't like four-page rules or something. It still had a, a chunky rule book, but a lot of the, the, the stuff that made different squads special was out of it. So, you know, you just had, uh, you know, single stats and, and a lot of the kind of, I guess, the mathsy stuff and the crunchy stuff was taken out of it to speed up the game. And it's a, it's a balancing act, isn't it, between simplicity and, and fun and keeping yeah. the bits that make the game unique. It was really good. It still had some cool mechanics. It had, you know, these order dice that were used and blast markers to show kind of how um suppressed a, a, a unit is and it had some really nice models in it as well so it was a big old box with orcs versus space marines with imperial fists being the poster boys um there's rhinos in there there was land raiders whirlwinds orc battle wagons orc stompers uh, plastic scenery plastic ruins oh, in this cool. one and i kind of wish i still had them because i wonder if they'd work okay in imperialis um, yeah. But yeah, I really enjoyed this game, but people didn't quite like it. Um, it was written by Andy Chambers and Jervis Johnson. I think Andy Chambers still like rates it as one of the best games he's written, but it 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 didn't it didn't land too well with the community, and eventually, sadly, fizzled out. They did release quite a few forces for it. I had a Tyranid army, and we had things like the Dominatrix and the the Hyra Jewel and all the cool big bio titans and various Tyranid creatures that have since come back to the game from that. So, yeah, it, it, it has a, um, a special place in my heart, and I think maybe people judged it a bit too harshly. Um, but, yeah, Epic kind of fizzled away for a bit. Now, a couple of years later, in 1999, uh, Andy Chambers took, like, the DNA of Epic and the order dice and that kind of idea of, like, shrinking down stuff and put out a little game called Battlefleet Gothic. Mm. So this wasn't like mass combat, but it used a lot of the same mechanics to represent spaceships fighting each other. Um, this is one of your favourite games, isn't it, Jay? 
awfully gothic is. Yeah, it's, it is one of my favorite games. Uh, and like you say, yeah, it's interesting because you do have that sort of order mechanic as well, where you're sort of ordering your squadrons and your capital ships. You, you're placing orders at the beginning of a round, and then executing those orders. Yeah, so so it was it was it was basically a heavily modified version of of the epic rule set and. Again, I think this is another one of Andy Chambers' best games that he's done, and I'd love to see this come back, especially with some of the refinements that we've seen since then. Um, and a lot of stuff came out for this. It started off with um, uh, kind of Imperium versus Chaos with distinct ships for each of them, but we got Space Marine fleets, we got Eldar, we got Orcs, we got official Tyranids, I want to say. We got Necrons, Necrons Tyranids, there were two Tau, Tau fleets, uh, yeah. Adeptus Mechanicus towards the end as well. Yeah, so it's for for again, it, I'd say it was a fairly short-lived game, but apparently it was active, 1999 to 2013. Yeah, and uh, they released. Um, obviously, you had the 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 main rule book. There was the um, sort of expansion, which was just as big as the rule book Armada, which added additional ships for, I think, pretty much all of the factions. Um, I remember the scenarios, a campaign system. Yeah, and then there were also the sort of um, uh, um, like magazines or the annuals that came out, compendiums and things that came out that added lots of rules as well. Um, it was really, really cool. I, I used to love the um, the sort of um, damage system. So it, it was almost like had RPG elements. So you'd take critical damage, you'd roll on a table to see what happened to your sort of ships and, you know, uh, engines would die, batteries would be destroyed, that kind of thing. It's really, really cool. You'd lose yeah. your command deck. You had morale on your ships. You could do boarding actions. Yeah. Um, really. And again, this was all born from the ideas originally seen in Adeptus Titanicus and Epic. So it kind of, it wouldn't surprise me if at some point we see um, a new edition based on a combination of um, the, the new edition of Titanicus mixed with Imperialis with a bit of a tweak. I think you could get a really nice kind of modern Battlefleet Gothic using those systems. One day, one day. One day, one day soon, hopefully. Now, obviously, Epic Epic 40K hadn't landed great, and it was a kind of a bit of a lull in history. Um, but then in 2003, a new Epic game came out, Epic Armageddon. So initially, this was very much focused on the war for Armageddon. So the, the factions that were represented were the uh, the Space Marines, the Armageddon Steel Legion, and Gazgul's War. So and this in, in Epic 40k, they, they removed the rules for the Mega Garg in the uh, Imperator Titan because they was uh, too big and too powerful, and, and it didn't kind of work with what they were going for for the game. In Epic Armageddon, they brought those back again as ridiculously pointed, and they were like an army in their own right. But I think that was something that was missing the previous one. They brought back a lot of the rules and the charts and the the kind of crunchiness of the game, and it was it was quite well um, received. But it obviously came towards the end of like the specialist game kind of period. <coughs> and Games Workshop for for a while just stopped all specialist games entirely, didn't they? Which was a real shame. Um, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, there must be reasonings for that. But um, that was a kind of a moment in history where a lot of the competitors then created their own miniature scale games. The the the, the lack of epic kind of birthed Drop Zone Commander J. Yeah, Drop Zone Command, Drop Fleet Commander. Yeah. Yeah, and all this kind of filled the void. So, unfortunately, that was kind of the end of Epic Scale Games. In 2007, we got a kind of spin-off, Aeronautica Imperialis, which used the aircraft from Epic 
in a um, abstract dogfighting game. So you could change your speed, you could change your altitude. That was that was really popular, but it was a bit niche and just used Forge World models. And again, specialist games entirely disappeared for a while. We fast forward about a decade, and in 2018, Games Workshop release a brand new version of Adeptus Titanicus. Again, set within the Horus Heresy, and we saw absolutely phenomenal Titans. I know um, you're a big fan of this game, aren't you, Jay? Um, I, I wish I could get it to the table more often. <laughs> yeah, um, it was, it was, it was, it was, you know, it's back to having big stat cards. And the the best way, I, if this is, I'm using an obscure reference to, to to explain an obscure reference. But if anyone's played X-Wing and Tie Fighter on the PC, where you're like jiggling with energy levels and stuff and managing yeah. your resources, it kind of felt a bit like that, didn't it? Where you could push the engine, but you're going to have an effect on your uh, the heat of your uh, your Titan, aren't you? Yeah, but it, it was quite very thematic. I thought um, you had this big dashboard in front of you. Uh, and they're very high quality dashboards with your void shields and things like this. It, it was very a very immersive game, I felt. Yeah. Now, I know, I think it was expensive. I think it was 150 when it came out and came with two Warlord Titans and some Knights, I want to say. But the Warlord Titans are like as big as a um, 40k scale Knight, aren't they? They're big yeah, old they models. Are big models, yeah. Like I say, about twice the size of the, the, the Warlord Titans from old Epic. And obviously a lot of speculation started. Would Games Workshop ever expand to having infantry and tanks so we could do proper epic again? And Games Workshop were very coy. I think hints have been dropped at various games days and stuff, but we never saw anything. I remember being at a games day where Tony Cottrell said that if you wanted to play epic, just play 40k and stand on a stepladder yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, to get the same effect. Um, but I think a lot of people longed for the kind of mass battle game. We then fast forward um, a little bit and we get a new edition of Aaron Norsica, um 2019. And again, this was interesting in that it was the exact same scale as Adeptus Titanicus, which made people think, hmm, that's, that's a massive coincidence that those planes are exactly in the same scale as, um, as the big Titans. And again... <laughs> couple of years passed, no news. And eventually this year, 2023, we have got a brand new game coming out, um, Legions Imperialis, which brings infantry and tanks and I guess brings the whole thing full circle to a mass battle game set within the Horus Heresy with like Titans and all sorts of stuff in there. And yeah, I am very, very excited. Um, obviously, you know, at this point, we've not played the game. We're not seeing it yet. You two, uh, Jay, you've kind of b- maybe been more involved in the Battlefleet Gothic and Titanicus side, but for the epic scale gaming, have you ever had like an urge to get into it before? No, I haven't, to be honest. I haven't. Um, I've never played the early editions of Epic. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I, I like the sort of um, regular sort of 40k scale miniatures and, and, and that sort of size game. However, the Horus Heresy... Um, Black Library series is littered with epic scale battles. You know, you've got the Saturnine War Gambit where the entire um, Empress Children Legion is deployed against the walls. You've got um, the um, battles on like the uh, Isfan um, massacre 
and the uh, I can't remember what the world is now where um, they the, the the Blood Angels are fighting alongside the Titan Legions and against Mortis, and it's just like a massive Titan graveyard. Uh, yeah. And you know you can't really reproduce those conflicts. You can reproduce bits of them in the 40k 30k games, but you can't reproduce the entire conflict. Whereas Epic allows you to do that. It allows you to like the scale of the conflict you're able to play out is just much bigger. Yeah, and, and just like visually on the, I mean, it's the visual element that appeals to me. You've got an entire city, and you can see all these tank companies like winding their way down the roads, and your infantry advancing across. Meanwhile, massive titans are above the city, blasting chunks out of each other. Like you say, it's the kind of thing that's in the books, but you can't really do on the table. Even the biggest table that Warhammer World has still doesn't have the scale of those kind of like, you know, a battle for an entire city or the Imperial Palace, for example. And like you say, the Horus Heresy is the perfect setting for that because everything was on a whole other scale for that. Yeah. And I also think, you know, I mean, obviously we've seen Legion Imperialis. There's no hints at the moment that there's going to be any Xenos releases for it. But down the line, you know, you've got the battle for Armageddon. Yeah. Um, so, so, so they, they did say that look, it, it, this is based on the Horus Heresy. So don't, don't hold your breath. Don't be expecting xenos however uh, you know what if it is popular and it sells well and that's the key thing isn't it would you think in the future they'd be open to doing like they did with the change from space marine to space marine second edition you have legions imperialis 40k yeah i mean mm. I'd, I'd love to hope i hope so because i mean obviously then you, you're going to be getting kits for um um like adeptus titanicus you're going to get uh, Gargants and and Revenant Titans. Um, you've already got the sort of Xenos in the Aeronauticus uh, game, so you've got the aircraft scale. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I mean, if if you've seen what what you, the sort of um, forces you're getting in Legion Imperialis, we've seen that we're also getting like Leviathan Siege Dreadnoughts and things like that coming as well. At that rate, they're soon going to fill out the sort of army roster stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For the, for the, and then where do you go from there? You know. And from a sprue budget, it's actually easier than other games. Because let's say, let's say orcs, for example, on an orc sprue for that scale, you could probably have what eight units of orcs, a couple of units of of mega orcs. You could have squig riders on there. There's a lot of different units you can have on a single frame, and then they'd probably put two of those in a box. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd love that to happen. Now, obviously, we've talked exclusively Epic, but there has been dabbling in other systems as well. So in 2000, I believe it was, uh, Warmaster was released, which was an Epic-scale game um, in the Warhammer Fantasy universe. But interestingly, it had a completely different rule set. Um, so so what it wasn't based on epic it was epic scale but it wasn't based on it. it had its own its own rules it had siege rules it had magic it was very much um very much its own thing but at the same scale and i i think that had a bit of a a stunted release due to the um lack of success for um Gorkamorka, I think Warmaster was kind of rushed through a little bit and it didn't quite have the sprue budget to have plastic kits. And I think it was entirely in metal, Warmaster, or a lot of it was in metal, which yeah. obviously put off a lot of people. Mm. Um, and then a couple of years later in 2005, the same game engine was used for the Battle of the Five Armies, 
which was a Hobbit-based miniatures game with 10mm plastic figures. And by all accounts, it was a really good game. I think it goes for lots of money on the secondary market. And they released like Smaug in metal at the correct scale for it and lots of cool stuff. And then the same year, they published a historical game called uh, uh, Warmaster Ancients, which let you play historical battles using um, smaller scale figures. So they have they have dabbled in stuff at the past. It'd be interesting to see if they did. Say if this is really popular, do they bring back Warmaster or do they go to 40k first? I mean, what would you guys like to say? I mean, the obvious one is Gothic is based on the Epic Engine, and that to me seems the obvious next step because then think of the linked campaigns you could have between Horus Heresy, Imperialis, and Gothic. I mean, yeah, Gothic seems like the next logical one because you can set it in that time period. You, you, you got more efficiencies on the sort of sprue side of things, you know, Imperial ships versus Imperial ships. And also then the added flavor of traitor ships. I mean, you could also include, uh, if you look at what they've done with um, Legion Imperialis, you can include some of the sort of Imperial Navy elements of it, which yeah. I know at the time, um, the legions and the imperial navy and whatnot that were all sort of combined into one sort of fighting force, but there will be different varieties of ship. Um, yeah, I would like I would like to see that, and I think you know we've got the last siege of terror book coming up later this year. There's a lot of focus on that sort of conflict. Why not like hook into it with with a battle fleet horror territory? Mm. I don't know what they'd call it. You see, I'd be interested to see if they release a um, Siege of Terror supplement for Imperialis to drop the same time as the final book. Yeah, with some Primarchs in. Yeah, maybe have that as the first expansion with Primarchs, I don't know. How about you, Dave? What's your thoughts on this whole teeny-weeny miniatures thing? Uh, so I'm a, a late sort of converter. Um, I, I'm i very tempted to, to, give this a, to give this a go. I, I definitely want to try and paint at least a couple of the marines before i really i think i can get into it i'm very reserved i think that's the best way to describe my feeling on epic at the moment uh, they just seem a little bit daunting i think i've got to agree with both of you if i was to see something come back i'd like it to be battlefleet gothic the the idea of like a, a mini version of age of sigma doesn't really appeal <laughs> aside from Obviously, in the lore of Age of Sigmar, we hear a lot about the god beasts and things like that, and Sigmar himself. Uh, that would be a way for them to introduce the god beasts, if they are these massive um, creatures. But I, I, I don't know. I, that, that doesn't really appeal. Maybe it will once I've um, sat down and I've played some... I keep calling it Epic. I keep forgetting its actual proper name. But the the the, the new version of Epic, um, maybe then my mind will start to wander and think, oh, actually... You know, I, I would like to to see this in mini. Um, I too would also, yeah, I, I'd be interested to see a, a Siege of Terror expansion or new box or something. Um, it'd be cool actually, um, if they introduced like walls and stuff, um, so you could have proper sieges and things. That'd be pretty cool. Walls? Oh, oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, I was gonna say there's, there's buildings already, but yeah, like like the the Imperial Palace. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, it'd be interesting to see if we get um. Yeah, I, I think we probably will get like lots of narrative stuff for it. I'm I'm super excited to see it. But yeah, that was a look down uh, the history of Epic, and I am super excited to play this new game. 
Excellent. So I hope you all enjoyed that step back in time. Thanks very much, that Matt. That was uh, very enlightening, and uh, even Jay, I think, was a bit taken back by some of those facts as well, especially yeah. the creation of the Horus Heresy. Now we're going to keep things mini with our top three, and that's coming up in just a few moments. So for this week's top three, with all this talk of mini marines and tiny micro machine tanks, let's talk about the top three things we'd like to see in. Well, how would you describe it? In mini scale, should we say? Epic epic scale is the lingo. In epic scale. Um, you know what, Matt? I think you're the best person to kind of start us off with this week. Oh, this, this is really hard, though, Dave. OK, so I, I have amended this list many times and I've stayed on the heresy 40k side i'd like to see warmaster come back but there's lots of 40k kits i want to talk about so we're going to go there um obviously with with legions imperialis being set within the horse heresy that's been my real focus on this and in number three i would like to see demon fulgrim mm. could it be now obviously we've, we've seen all of the demon primarchs in space marine and in epic it back in the day so it wouldn't surprise me if at some point in the near future we do get models for the Primarchs. And at that scale, they can do some really cool stuff, particularly with the Demon Primarchs. And I just imagine a giant winged sex snake Fulgrim. He'd be I horrific, mean, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I, it, I mean, it, it would be cool. It'd be cool to see a lot of the Demon Primarchs, to be fair. Yeah, have you guys seen the original Epic uh, Primarchs? Magnus is hilarious. I have seen a few <laughs> of them. Yeah, it's uh, there's some there's some there's some interesting choices, but again, these were really really old. So yeah, my number three choice is Fulgrim because it'd be really cool to see him as maybe a little tease to what we can expect in 40k. Now my number two choice, I'm cheating because I want to see the Mechanicum of Mars. Because, hear me out, hear me out, there, there will be a plastic sprue that has a load of Mechanicum units on it. So I'm sure I can get away with that as a choice, <laughs> even though it's technically an entire army. But, I mean, there's not been any secrets about this. On all the articles, they've said that this is going to be well supported and other armies will come. What other armies have we got in the Horus Heresy? Well, we've got the Demons, we've got the Talons of the Emperor, we've got the the uh, the Mechanicum of Mars, and then obviously the, the various traitor versions of, of them as well. So, yeah, Plastic Mechanicum in teeny-weeny scale. If I can get Plastic Solar Auxilia and Plastic Heresy Mechanicum in the same year, I'll be a very happy boy, even if they are teeny-weeny scale. <laughs> so that's my number two choice. I think of all the cool, like, Archaeotech weapons and stuff they could yeah, have as well. Yeah, the Ordinatus engines. Yeah, yeah. Or even, you could even fold in some of the even bigger ones that don't fit on a 40k table. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be so cool. Uh, and then number one, I'm going 40k, and I'm going for a mo the model that got me into Epic back in the day. And that is the Tyranid Dominatrix. So it was a massive, horrific monster with a Norn queen sat on the back of it. And it always reminded me of the space jockey from Alien. You know, where it <laughs> sat in that massive chair. It, I mean, it was basically a ripoff of that because at that period of time, Tyranids were pretty much the alien ripoff, weren't they? But it was like a giant, think, I don't know, a Tyranid elephant rhinoceros thing with a giant big, like, uh, conch 
seat and then the Norn Queen sat in it. It was amazing. I'd love to see one in 40k scale. We're getting the Norn Emissary, but unfortunately, I don't think the Norn Queen's coming to party just quite yet. But uh, having one in epic scale would be amazing because that was one of the first epic models I bought back in the day. Yeah, that's a great top three. Um, I, I in particular would like to see those the Primarchs. That that'd be really cool. Um, Jay, what's uh, your top three? Uh, so my top three, um, Matt has already um, mentioned it briefly there in his top three, but I would like to see the Talons of the Emperor force. Yeah. You know, the Ujo Custodies, the Sisters of Silence. Um, I think they would look pretty cool at that scale. Um, and I think as well it would give you an opportunity. So there's lots of sort of custodian units which are mentioned in the background. You've got different um, flyers um, and, and things like this. And I think... Um, you know that would be a really really cool place to see some of those sort of things that we, we've only read about and, and visualizing them in miniature form um so yeah so Ta- talents of the emperor is one of them um my um second choice and again matt has already mentioned this as well <laughs> but he's mentioned it from the traitor side so it's only right that i mention it from the loyalist side and that is some of the loyalist primarchs the likes of rogel dawn jacati khan sanguinius especially um Purely, I mean, just to see how they work in a game at that size. I mean, in the 30k game, they're quite, I would like to say they're quite impactful. They are a force to be reckoned with on the battlefield. Um, But their strength really comes in their sort of melee prowess, really. Whereas in a game like Epic, I think you'll get to see their sort of, strategic and tactical acumen sort of shine you know how what bonuses do they give to to your sort of army as a whole um yeah just to, i'm just interested to see from a rules perspective how how the primarchs are going to interact with that system yeah i mean i i obviously i said the demon primarchs because you can do bigger models for them for the loyalist primarchs i could see them they said that not everything's necessarily in scale with each other when it makes sense for it to so this is a weird analogy but you know in world of warcraft when they upped character sizes by 50 percent so that if you were handing in a quest they'd stand a little bit taller than the mass of people stood around them yeah um and i could see them doing that maybe i don't know a um robert uh, robert gulliman standing just a little bit taller than the imperialist contemptor maybe just so it stands out on the battlefield it's not completely over the top and massive which you can do with demon marks demon primarchs but it's noticeably bigger than the other ones and you you still kind of can spot them in the in the massive massive models yeah um my number one choice though i think is probably going to surprise you a little bit and that is um we see in when you're reading in the horus heresy obviously the focus is very much on the legion of Astartes, um, but there's also you know lots of vehicles and titans and things stomping around but actually the fortifications themselves play a big part in the story you've got the gun batteries on the Lionsgate spaceport mm. you've got the sort of plasma batteries on the on the uh, on the walls firing at the titans as they're coming across the plains um uh, we've not seen, I think we've seen like little pieces of like the tarantulas for the space marines and uh, coin, but fortifications, you know, fortresses, barb bastion, places like that. That'd be yeah. really cool. And I think that would work at that scale. You know, you could have like um, macro batteries firing across the battlefield whilst all your space marines and tanks and squadrons and things move forward. Yeah, well, interestingly, on, on Warcom today, they've, they've talked a bit about detachments, and it sounds a lot like the. Um, 
the epic of old. And they show an example detachment, the Legion uh, Demi Company. And one of the optional detachments you can take is a Bastion detachment. So it'll be interesting to see, like, you know, could we get fortifications and stuff as something that you can drop as part of your army? Like, if we've got a narrative focus, we, we see it in Necromunda, you know, the defender sets up the battlefield along with, with the defences and the Bastions and stuff, and then their opponent has to try and besiege it. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool, wouldn't it? That'd be very, very cool. And I'm not going to lie, that might be part of my top three. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, that, that leaves me. And maybe I should quickly change. I mean, I've actually changed my third choice. So my third choice was going to be Primarchs. But when Matt said it, I thought, all right, let's well, try and... Well, which, which Primarch would you like to see, Dave? Um, I w- Like you, I'd like to see the Demon ones because they are the sort of the bigger... Monsters, you know, that you could you could really do some really really cool stuff with them. But I agree with Jay. It'd be interesting to see how they would play out, even down to like Lorgar and 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 and, and, and all those sort of smaller scale ones on how they would um, how they would act in such a big scale battle. Um, I very hastily added as my third choice, and I know they're not they're they're a Xenos race. They're not even in the Heresy, but you know maybe we'll get um, a forty k equivalent. Um, so I was thinking, well, what what can I not afford, which would be really cool to see in epic scale? So I've written down Manta for the oh, town. Oh yeah, the town Manta. Well, um, well, epic, Forgewood did release a a Manta at that scale. Did they? Yeah, there was a whole Tau army for Epic. So yeah, there was existing Mantas. You could use them in Imperialis. And in fact, in I think they are. Gothic, in, I think I think the yeah. Mantas was an escort in um, Battlefleet Gothic. Yeah, there's been multiple teeny weeny uh, mantis models over the years. Ah, uh, well, there you go. That, 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 I mean, I did put that in haste. My real choice was going to be. Like, it's um, like that episode of the Father Ted. If you could have anything, what would you have, Dougal? this <laughs> 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 Um Okay, so we'll quickly skip past that. Uh, my second choice. Uh, I haven't had time to replace this because uh, Jay's gone and pinched it. I wrote bases and then in brackets walls, bastions, etc. Fortifications is a much better word for it. Basically, like um, yeah, like a spaceport with landing patterns, uh, landing, um, what are they called? Landing pads. Landing pads, um, and in and, and gun turrets and stuff like that. That'd be really really cool. Especially, I mean, maybe they'll do that if they do like a siege of terror box, which would be which would be really really exciting. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm hopeful for that because obviously the advantage of having this all in the same scale is that there's a lot of scenery kits that they've already built for um, Titanicus all those are compatible and they're releasing ruins and and tile sets aren't they for this but that means next time round they could do a plastic modular um imperial palace which would be especially especially if they do a future expansion that is siege of terror themed how cool that would that be to have you know a six foot board with the imperial palace going alongside it but scaled up that's like miles of wall isn't it absolutely yeah would you have the throne room? That'd be well, cool. you do, the throne room's probably like tables back, isn't it? This is just the initial mm. wall. You could have an entire board with various, various uh, kind of uh, walls, and you kind of the attacker has to fight their way through, and you have narrative scenarios based on it. They could absolutely sell Imperial Palace scenery that had, mm. that you'd want from a gameplay mechanic point of view, with yeah. like working gates and all sorts of stuff. Yeah, um, I completely agree. My top choice, however, is something that neither of you have mentioned. And this is something that actually maybe one day 
one day, especially if I get really into the heresy, maybe it could potentially happen. Um, it's a relatively new-ish vehicle for the Marines. It's the Mastodon. Oh, the Mo- yeah. uh, you know what? It wouldn't surprise me if they did an epic-scale Mastodon. They, they should. They they absolutely should. Um, I mean, I hope to maybe get one of these in resin one day, but maybe I'll be getting it in that scale first. But that seems like a no-brainer to me. I think, like you say, Matt, that 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 is actually probably going to happen. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I'd that's, be surprised that's something they could put out as like a, a forty quid resin kit, couldn't they? Yeah, and, and people would buy it and paint it up because it looks cool. It's uh, especially again if you go for a kind of a, a siege themed expansion, that seems like a no brainer to release alongside it and have the working doors and everything on the back and front. Yeah, so that 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 was easily my top choice. An epic looking tank that is. And with that, that is our top freeze done. However, we're not quite finished with this week's podcast because we do have one segment before we say goodbye. It's the community top three choices and it's coming up next. And so we move on to the final segment of this week's podcast, and it's time to check out the community top three picks. And Matt, I think you're going to check out our comments over on a little thing called Thread first. Threads, yes. Um, so, yeah, Threads, Spruce and Brews, if, if you are you want to give us a follow, which um, seems a lot of people have moved over to Threads from Twitter or X or whatever the heck it's called now. Um, so Andy C. Paints has just posted a picture of the squat overlord airship think a giant dwarf zeppelin jay with guns oh i want to see it for 40k as well <laughs> yeah i want to see it for 40K. you know what it, this is going off on a tangent but it wouldn't surprise me if that's something they reimagine for the leagues of otan yeah i think it's been hinted in the law of various airships and stuff that they've got hasn't it uh geek <laughs> Geeky McNerdlinger, which is a great name, says the Capital Imperialis. So, for again, if for people who maybe were born after Epic, it's a shame Andy's not on the show because I think he was born after most of these Epic game systems came out. <laughs> but the Capital Imperialis was basically a castle on wheels as big as a Titan with a big oh, gun. Wow. It was amazing. And I hope we get one. And then uh, DP says Mizlitl apparently that's his name says um an overlord gunship as a thunderbird two style carrier termites and the gyrocopter now obviously they're all squat vehicles but the the abhumans do exist in the heresy universe don't they so could we see gyrocopters and termites and stuff for um heresy that'd be really fun so yeah over on twitter or x or i'm just going to call it twitter because it's twitter in it <laughs> anonymous rex says a warlord titan oh, we've already got a warlord titan the um the adept satanicus one is fully compatible with imperialis uh drop pods that you drop like dice and then deploy <laughs> units where they rest on the table. <laughs> That's a good That'd idea. Cool. That's a really good idea. Um, and then the Centurio Ordinatus war machines bring the wacky space cannons to the ground war. Yeah, I think th- I love those models, but I, I, even as Forge War models go, a massive like two foot long gun is a little bit big for the table, isn't it? Where mm. in Imperialis, that'd be really cool because it'd be basically a, a, a Titan weapon mounted on a vehicle, which would work quite well on that. Uh, Richter says the capital Imperialis. 
Heretic Wargaming says the classic Magnus, blue, big red bushy beard, big stick <laughs> in the air. He looks really strange. Yeah, he's beautiful. Uh, Fat Wolf says the squat Zeppelin. And Darren Winter says the Capital Imperialis. The, the Capital Imperialis is getting a lot of love. And, you know, the new game's named after it, isn't it? <laughs> um, the Hellbore and the Humble Drop Pod give us the chance for a full orbital assault. So, yeah, lots of lots of cool ideas there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was, uh, I, was, I was thinking then of uh, some more suggestions. Uh, yeah, some great choices. I can't wait to see what they do with the system. I think there's there's a lot they could do, but I suppose it all really, as last with everything, depends on how many people jump on it. So we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be all over it once the the, the content's ready to drop and um, we've got our hands on it. So yeah, super excited for all of that. Um, do we have a top three ready for next time, Matt? We always have a top three ready for next time, Dave. So on a similar theme to this week's, um, I want to know, obviously the old world's coming back probably october november don't quote me on that but it probably is um and obviously with it a lot of old long out of production old world models are coming back into production and there might be some old ones that get brand spanking new models so this week i want to know what old model uh, what old world models are you looking forward to getting and being back in the range again Jay, you could probably write a full sheet of A4 on this one. Uh, good job, I'll start now, ready for the next podcast. <laughs> now, that's a really good one. Um, even I, I think, can come up with a few suggestions. It was really I, low. I, cool I do know what your number one yeah. is. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're talking about. Um, does it does it breathe fire? It might breathe fire, yeah. <laughs> does, is it jumping off a big rock? It's not as good as the other ones. Yeah. We'll, we'll discuss this next time, because it's absolutely going to be in my top three, so plenty of time for the the arguments to erupt about that um so you can get your choices in viral social media we will be putting a message out on x and um threads uh shortly before the recording of the the next podcast which should be in a couple of weeks well, um well so... regular listeners will know that the last few episodes have been a bit sporadic there's been like a month gap between episodes which isn't isn't great however we do have a new recording schedule don't we dave we do so what we're going to be doing is uh we're going to be recording the podcast one monday and the next monday uh will be the return of the stream which was uh, very popular where we just basically chat and paint minis while uh chatting to you guys so that is going to be making a comeback um and then obviously the week after we'll record the podcast and so on and so forth um so it's going to hopefully keep our content um nice and regular for you guys um because we know you know we've been listening we know you've been missing the podcast so we want to get it back on a on a schedule that we can keep to um and yeah i mean i love doing this i love chatting to you guys about geeky stuff um so yeah it'd be great to get it back as a more regular thing yeah and um, i mean so the, 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 the the streams on a monday as well um they'll be we'll be able to show off stuff that's just had the nda dropped as well so yeah you should be able to see some like brand brand new models on them too yeah, and what you'll find as well is the the podcast that we'd have recorded the week earlier will be released on that Monday with the stream. So we'll be sort of chatting about the different podcasts. There'll be plenty to, for us to talk about anyway, but uh, that'll also be happening as well. So, uh, so yeah, I'm sure we'll put a post up on the website um, just to, to clarify times and things. But, um, but yeah, that's all very, very exciting. Um, that, unfortunately, brings episode 218 to a close. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure as always. It's been good fun. Yeah, it's been yeah. awesome.
now to get some stuff rapidly done ready for the next hobby update <laughs> so <laughs> until next time have a great time hobbying and we'll speak to you all again very soon bye bye, bye.